Welcome to the London Property Podcast, your go-to source for navigating the complex and ever-changing London real estate market. Our digital marketplace provides informative and educational content from industry leaders through podcasts and videos. We cover various aspects of the real estate experience, including buying and selling, finance, law, tax, construction, design, and more. Join us as we delve into the latest trends and developments in the market and gain valuable insights from our panel of experts. Hello and welcome to London Property, the home of Super Prime. I am your host, Farnas Fazaipour, and today we're in conversation with John Holden, whose journey has brought him to bringing some sustainability to the real estate market. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, John, let's start with how your journey did get you to this point of addressing some issues of sustainability in real estate. So I would describe myself as a clean technology founder. And what clean tech founders do is look for innovations in business models and technologies that provide positive impact for the climate and the planet, but also make money and are profitable as well. So I've started quite a number of ventures in the clean tech space before this. So it started in growing exotic seafood on land to uh, molten salt energy storage to EV charging solutions and digital twins with industrial synergies. So quite a range and eclectic mix in, in the clean tech space. Um, but I really decided I had to have a day job at the same time as doing those ventures. So I had a day job as a data scientist and statistician. And I really made the decision to do this properly and to have impact, both profitability and impact on the planet at scale. I need to do this full time. So that's when I joined um, a startup incubator with Zinc and Zinc are a VC that specialise in impactful startups. Um, and I did the programme with Zinc for around three to six months at the end of that, they took the decision to invest in Iterum, which is the business I've started, um, and they've made that investment at the start of the year, and we've been growing the business since then. What is the opportunity or the vision that you had uh, that led you to um, starting this business? So at Iterum, our vision is to disrupt the way people access hardware and also the way that industries uh, within hardware operate. So the future will be access over ownership, and we already see this happening in quite a few different industries. So at Iterum, our vision is to see a subscription economy and as-a-service model uh, represent the ultimate business model to kind of aid this transition from a linear to a circular economy. Um, And it's better for the business, it's better for the planet, and it's better for end users using these, these products. And in particular, what made you decide to go after hardware to do with housing? So in in the home hardware space, um, people are using these products for a lot along the lifespan. And they're often really um, operating under this more linear model where they're using these products, they're purchasing these products, they're using them, and then they're getting rid of them. There's a lot of planned uh, obsolescence from the manufacturers. They're planning for these things to break after a certain amount of time. And they're not shifting towards this planned kind of permanence where people can repair, reuse uh, and recycle these products to different tiers of customers. So the home hardware space seemed like it had a lot of opportunities for as a service and subscription operators to, to work in and, and really disrupt um, in, that, in that area. And uh, how are you proposing to disrupt the space? We're starting within the home, within home hardware, and we're offering uh, landlords and property portfolio managers access to energy efficient connected, high-performing 
um, appliances under our as, uh, appliances as a service offering. So they get all, all that for a monthly fee uh, with a full service wraparound under our innovative uh, leasing service and product. At this early stage, who are your target markets and how do you see that evolving? So when we first launched, we were targeting very much um, private landlords, kind of operative um, HMOs, um, a couple of properties within their portfolio that kind of operate as landlords for existing housing stock. Um, and we got some really good early traction in the space. Um, landlords really saw the benefit to them of removing the hassle of ownership, the reduced cost um, and the service that we were giving to them. But as a startup, it's really important to like know where to focus on and where to spend your time and energy focusing on. So we pivoted to focus much more on, on the builder and development side of the property market. So people operating in build to rent in the UK, also in purpose-built student accommodation, later life living and co-living. So our value proposition of removing the hassle and cost of ownership and also enabling them to access the data on the usage of their assets once deployed and showing how it can increase tenant satisfaction really resonated with those uh, customer segments. And also for us, it was very useful because we could see scale to that approach and increased profitability. Those operators also get um, a lot of benefit from the tax efficiency of our operating leases, and they can scale that across their portfolio and really reach the kind of impact on ESG targets and circularity targets that they need to achieve as bigger corporations. And the hassle factor, just to go back to this point, the hassle factor that you're taking away from a, a, a property management perspective. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so when, when they own their assets, when they purchase their assets, appliances within, within a household, um, obviously when something breaks or goes wrong, the tenant often has contacts them first. So often what we see is the tenant co contacting those landlords or property operators and then them having to organise the warranty with the manufacturer if there is a warranty or try and source maintenance and repair through a third party or go through their extended warranties. This can often lead to weeks of delay, weeks of downtime, um, lots of calls back and forth between the tenant and the landlord, um, causing a lot of headache and hassle for that landlord when they could be doing you know, better things with their time and the tenant's getting increasingly frustrated. So we're, our service is kind of removing that um, we own the assets, we're leasing them to the operator. Anything that goes wrong, the tenant will contact us. We'd loop in the landlord or the operator, um, but that hassle is really removed from them. Um, and the tenant gets a better satisfaction of living in, that, in those units that we serve. So not only are people leasing their white goods from you, so their washing machines, dishwashers. Fridge freezers. Fridge freezers. Yeah. So all the white goods that you have in your house, they can lease from you but then you will also manage them for, for them. So you, they don't need to then worry about those. Yeah, so our, our service comes with a full service wraparound. So all the kind of headache and hassle is taken away from the operator and landlord. We, we take care of all the servicing of those um, assets um, and the tenant will contact us directly with looping the landlord and operators so they're aware um, for us to take care of the repair and replace so we have a very high SLA service level agreement with, with the landlords and operators that we replace and repair within 72 hours, um, often a lot of times before that. And it links into a lot with our these assets being connected, um, IoT connectivity, which means Internet of Things. So these devices are talking and feeding data back to us 
um, to talk to predictive maintenance, those assets telling us kind of their usage, any issues that are coming from them so we can really streamline um, those operations and hopefully lead to decreased downtime for the tenants if anything does go wrong. There comes your clean tech uh, the exp- expertise, <laughs> right? You're going to get everything to talk to you so you're being as efficient as you possibly can and costing less in, 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 in as a result of it. Um, so what do you think has to change from a manufacturing and a distribution perspective to have a more sustainable future for white goods? So I think um, these manufacturers uh, really need to embrace the as-a-service and subscription economy. We see it making up around 20-25% of other kind of very established hardware markets. 15-20 um, years ago, everyone wanted to own their car. And now we see a big portion of that um, sector, people being very happy to rent or lease their car. They see it as more cost-effective, more sustainable, they can upgrade more easily. They really value that access over ownership piece. And what manufacture, what work, our big vision here is to demonstrate to manufacturers that a reoccurring revenue model is possible within this space. And that it's not only possible, but there's far increased asset returns than just making and then selling. So what we're proving is that reoccurring revenue model exists um, and it is profitable. And then from that, as mentioned before, they're designing for permanence over designing for obsolescence. So they're designing things to be modular, more repairable, more circular. um, And they're designing these things to be assets that are deployed to produce reoccurring revenues as opposed to just being used for five or six years then going into landfill. So we really want to demonstrate that to the manufacturers. In this sector, it's kind of lagging behind other sectors. Um, but we see, we're speaking to manufacturers, that these are really important strategic priorities for them to get involved in this. And we think as a startup, we're fast and agile enough to, to demonstrate that um, to them and work in partnership with them. And are you seeing any any changes in the sector, even if they're small? Yeah, so uh, there's... Um, there's kind of established bricks and mortar businesses in the UK that have been doing um, appliances under a rental model for 50 plus years. Um, these often target kind of subprime customers, so people that can't afford to purchase their appliances. And we're trying to flip that to say that um, the customers we're trying to target, you can afford, um, the, you can have access to higher performing and better devices through this as a service model. So more energy efficient, more water efficient, um, connected devices that last longer and our bigger vision here is to have these appliances lasting longer and us to you know, look after and increase the health of those assets and then redeploy them to multiple customers so they're getting deployed for one for one customer um, we redeploy those to another customer and then another customer and then showing that the recurring revenue potential from these assets is much larger and that they can serve and bring benefits to multiple customers Um, across their lifespan and we're really seeing that not only um, certain manufacturers um, across the world so um, Electrolux um, trialing this in Singapore, Bosch trialing it in Denmark um, but they're all kind of outside of their own balance sheets They're, they're doing it through a different operator and they're trialing it out so they're starting to play in this market so we see a big opportunity here within the UK as a separate entity to those manufacturers and to partner with those. Um, 
What we're also seeing as well is changes in legislation. So in the EU, there's the right to repair legislation. This is a big kind of package of legal measures that mean that manufacturers have to kind of enable their products to be repairable, to kind of share the knowledge of that repairability with the rest of the world, but also to make parts available. So there's this big push from kind of big governments to make things more circular and to prove that things can't just go on in this linear way where things are made, used and then thrown into landfill. So it's this big kind of shift going on across governments and industries, um, led by consumers as well, that they, they're demanding these kind of products and services. That's a really big point, right? Because people have the choice to buy or not to buy. So if you don't actually do things the way that uh, people like to see their future, then you're going to end up losing them as customers. So this is, this is a very important part of this whole package. And I guess from a manufacturer's perspective, if you're, for lack of a better way of explaining it, staying in touch with that equipment, then you know how it's being used, how it's being maintained, then it's much easier for you to deploy it in a secondary place until it reaches the end of its life, it comes back to you and then you're the best position to recycle it. Yeah. So I think the, um, so the, so to, to speak about IoT for a second, so IoT means Internet of Things. And that's um, the ability for kind of products to talk, send their data back to a system and for people to understand the usage of those assets. So a lot of these kind of white good manufacturers have enabled their devices to be IoT enabled. A lot of the time they've not found a really strong business case for that. So, you know, you might own uh, a fridge or an oven that's got IoT enabled capabilities but a lot of people won't be using that in the home to turn their oven on before they get home or to check what's in their fridge. The consumers aren't using it enough to uh, kind of um, show the return of investment from the manufacturers deploying this. Um, but what we're trying to show is that there is a really important use case for that IoT enab enabled capabilities, which is to show not only the impact on more energy efficient devices on showing usage for energy and water, but also in checking the health of these assets once deployed, when should we maintain them, how to optimise the kind of lifespan of those so they can last longer, be repairable, optimise what parts are needed when, but also, as you say, to redeploy those in an optimal way. So, you know, one tier of customer access that, that appliance and then they're told the optimal time for them to upgrade for their use case, that, that um, appliance comes off the data's already told us what maintenance is needed to that. And it gets redeployed to another customer who gets that at a very you know, cost-effective price because we might have already kind of made our margins off it and then it gets redeployed again. So the lifespan is increased. And then at the end of that, the data is telling us which parts can be reused and fed back into the kind of supply chain and potentially fix other devices and which ones need to be are fully end of life and how best to dispose of those because we understand what their the components within those are. So it's kind of demonstrating, this is why we're really excited about this model is because it really demonstrates that true circular model. So it's a true incarnation of a circular model in the economy. Um, so that's why we're really keen to demonstrate how this has commercial potential at scale. And then we can look to expand to other um, hardware within the home. Um, which is kind of our, our wider vision in that space. 
And a good vision too, because uh, 40% of the waste I think created comes from real estate. Yeah. So that's a really big number. And the other thing is going back to what you were saying about um, consumers using these technologies more will push the manufacturers to make it something that is easier to use and more widely used. I think you're seeing a lot of this in the short-term holiday business because a lot of people are remotely managing and remotely accessing and, you know, uh, all, all the all the appliances. You know, if, if a guest leaves, for example, even in hospitality, you're seeing this. If the guests leave, then you know they've gone because the sensor says no one's moving in the room. Then you can turn the air conditioning unit down a bit, you know. So all in all, not only is it helping the hardware live longer, but it's also reducing the waste from the energy that is running for nobody in, in some of these cases. So it also optimizes, like you say, optimizes the property management uh, role and can really kind of um, lead to a lot more increased profitability, but also that tenant experience um, that things aren't broken when they come in. Well, uh, you're onto a good, good idea and uh, we're glad to be speaking to you about it and certainly um, look forward to helping you gain some traction in this field. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of the London Property Podcast. Head over to our website where you can browse our exclusive network of top experts driving the market. As a member, you'll have direct access to our experts and their networks. Our award-winning content will help you choose the right professionals for your needs and make informed decisions about your investments. Personal recommendations are a powerful tool in connecting with trusted professionals. Let us introduce you to the right people to help you achieve your real estate goals. Contact us now to learn more about becoming a member and gaining access to these valuable resources or joining our directory of experts.